I want to welcome you to our study on um, intimacy with God and what got just excited to see what God is in the middle of doing in all of our hearts. Um, each one of us, um, He's at work, and uh, you know some more challenging things than others have occurred this week, and so maybe we talk through some of those and uh, just kind of be together in this quest of learning how to <coughs> grow in our dependence on God and grow in our intimacy with Him. So with that, um, let me open our time in prayer. Father, we so many times in our lives uh, confronted face-to-face with giants. Um, and giants are so many times jobs, um, ability to be able to see our way clearer, to support ourselves financially, be it uh, disability or just being able to see um, our way clear uh, financially. Whether there's crises in lives, there's credible, um, painful situations uh, just going on, even the extended families that are represented here in this room. And Father, you um, ask us to Um, More than anything else, call upon you because you are the one who is able. Father, we call upon you in the midst of these things. We ask that your hand would be upon us and that we would lean fully into you. Father, may um, may our lives um, be lives that are testimonies. Testimonies of your amazing, incredible grace that showers upon us new every morning, as your faithfulness is so immeasurably great towards your children. Father, I thank you that your, um, the bent of who you are is for us. Pursue us with an everlasting love. Father, I pray that you would uh, be with the women this morning as they wrap up their retreat. Father, I pray that um, good things there you would knit hearts together and you would knit their hearts together with you. Father, I pray that it would be a tremendous um, time of encouragement, um, a tremendous time of growth, a tremendous time of assessment of hearts. And Father, even as that effort gets knit together with the effort of our homework, it's knit together with what we talk about there and here, Father, I pray that you would cause your spirit um, to grab hold of each of our hearts ways that are just um, that, that confound um, everything we've ever seen before and that you would cause us to leave the things that don't matter much and hold tightly to the things of heaven hold tightly to the things that um, are your are of your heart father as, as you are stitching each one of us um, together into this amazing, amazing, amazing uh, thing you call the church. Father, may uh, we live our lives with excellence. May we serve you with all of our hearts. May we walk and and depend upon you every way possible. And may may we know you um, as a result. Father, may you be glorified in our lives this coming week. And you be glorified in our church this coming week. May you be glorified on planet Earth amongst your people who you have redeemed. 
you are coming back again to take Dasis in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, um, we have been uh, looking at uh, our time together in the section of the introduction called Pleasing God. And uh, one of the things that we have been working on from a homework perspective has been to uh, begin with the end in mind. And as we begin with the end in mind, uh, take a look at um, how is that coming together from the standpoint of uh, if we were to go to the end of our lives and kind of come backwards, uh, what, what does that look like? And you know, are we able to start to ask ourselves the tough questions about, like, um, what am I living for? And where is my life invested? What is my life invested in? And would those who are closest to me um, confirm that that's the case or not? Um, so, um, all of this with the purpose of trying to um, understand how we please God in our life. And so that's, that's been kind of what we've been looking at. Um, so, uh, we talk, talk about this whole section as far as knowing God, uh, pleasing God, um, as a part of this uh, um, crystallizing the call. Um, and uh, we talked about our motive to purposefully live for the pleasure of the king and how that um, is so antithetical to um, the way we've been brought up um, in our lives, which is usually, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me it's to please myself. And so we talked about our homework in part one, part two. This week was... a Working on part two, I so appreciated the conversations that were on email and everything. And uh, um, as we uh, talked about getting started, um, uh, Mick and Nate, Nathan and myself meet on a regular basis, and we uh, one of the things that we've we talked through was uh, I don't know if you know the 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 book My Up My Highest. Use that um, Oswald Sanders and just uh, the, uh, the, the his biography is an interesting biography because it um, it uh, his wife um, <clears throat> basically um, uh, uh, introduces the whole his whole biography with kind of beginning within in mind and, and sharing I think at the at the very end uh, of his life of his funeral and what happened there so. If you want me, I would you. You want me to try reading it, or you can you read it? Okay, if you can't, just pass it to me due to your uh, situation. So um, this biography starts with his uh, um, his death, and talking about eulogies, this fit really well. I'm just going to read a portion of it toward the end of chapter 1, where his brother is given his eulogy. Um, After tributes from league members and friends, Oswald's oldest brother, Arthur, took the podium. He described Oswald as a young hero of the cross and likened him to Barnabas, a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. 1124. Oswald was a man with an energetic, inspiring personality, Arthur said. 
Once started in any direction, he quickly outpaced his teachers. I persuaded him to pray his first prayer in a prayer meeting, but he soon passed me by and became a master in intercession. He was full of the Holy Ghost, and that was the secret of his happy service. He was absolutely free from worry, living what he liked to call a restless, restlessly restful life. Oswald was a good man with no value for mere money or personal advantage. He would give away all who asked, to all who asked. He had no use for those who sought to make much of him instead of the message he had to bring. He was full of faith. How well I remember his return in 1907 with a, from around the world trip in which he felt called to go. He threw down half a crown and said, There, I have been round the world, all found, oh no pence a week, and half, half a crown left. On the first leg of that voyage aboard the SS Baltic, he told me he had spoken on spiritual things to every one of the 1,300 people on board, <laughs> from the captain to the boy in the stroke cold. Many people, much people, was added to the Lord, sums up the result of his life. Much people was added to the Lord, sums up the result of his life. One aim was to be broken bread, poured out wine for the master. Throughout his life, his early mornings were given to prayer for others and receiving the daily anointing, which gave him such a skillful touch with souls both here in England and finally in Egypt. And then another person talked, uh, Reverend Lambert, um, outlining the teaching of the man whose life he called the finest commentary on the Sermon on the Mount I know. All of the hundreds there who knew the man, being remembered, could have added an unforgettable phrase uttered by him or recalled an act of kindness, indelibly imprinted in their memory. Lambert, Lambert summed up the impact of this life lived so fully for the Lord. The most precious thing that has come to many of us through the message of God's beloved servant, Oswald Chambers, is that for the lowliest, least promising, and most insignificant person, the great life is possible. Mightiest things are made available for ordinary persons in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mick, for uh, sharing that. Um, So as we think about that just in our own lives, um, uh, let me get a sense of, at least you in the room, like how you're coming on your homework. Um, are you um, finished? Are you halfway there? Are you a quarter of the way there? Have you just starting? Kind of wh- where, where are your thoughts right now as far as just where you're at personally in this exercise? Um, your inputs on this. It's okay to not, not, not be along the way yet. Um, life is hard and life, a lot of things going on. Just want to get a sense of where everybody's at. Quarter, okay. Okay. About, about quarter, okay. The struggle is too uh, off the focus. Of yeah. Yeah. Uh, not my point. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great point. I mean, I think I think we all kind of hit that reality when we're kind of about that quarter to halfway into it. You know, 
as to, you know, who is this really about, right? And uh, good point. Um, Mick, how are you coming? About the same. About the same, okay. Yeah. Okay. Marlene? About the same, okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Um, You're in a journey. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell, isn't it? <laughs> still, I, mean, I have paragraphs that I've written. Yeah. What came to care for all time. Yeah. I've, I've, You're in process. Yes. Process. Okay. I, I sort of. I yeah. 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 Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In, ter- in terms of thought on the, how that applies. So good. Um, thank you, everybody, for your kind of your clarity of where we're at. Um, I uh, um, I think. S- s- so one of the things that, just for feedback perspective, one of the things I think that I just want to share with you is that <clears throat> I think all of us have thought about this a little bit, you know, kind of, kind of where we're at as far as, you know, thinking it through. The single biggest value proposition for me in, in actually, um, in this exercise was writing it down. That was the, it was the hardest thing to do. Yet it was the most freeing thing to do. Because once it was written down, it was like, oh, that's so far from where I am. I need to change some things in my life. And so it was freeing, finally, to just say, like, in each category, like, like what do I need to do differently? You know, how can, how, what do I have to change about my own life, you know, as far as where I'm at? So I just really encourage you to that end. Take this seriously. Go at it. Um, don't be necessarily constrained by a timetable. Um, uh, when I did this um, a while back, which I've just finished redoing it, um, it it was uh, it was a couple year process. Um, so don't be constrained by you know a two week timetable. Um, but I want to really, really, really encourage you to take it seriously. Like really encourage you to. Um, does that make sense, everybody? Yeah. Um, uh, Sammy, I mean, can you share um, just what happened this week? Yeah. Well, I, uh, a lot of things that go through you. So anyway, that was uh, prize and uh, to you, Mark. I don't know why this sure. uh, are. That uh, devastating thing in the world. Nothing surprises God. God's expression of God has been healthy, you're a smart guy, you've got a lot of stuff we go through. Yeah, it's been an interesting low week. I'm the one talking about intimacy with God. Uh, that That is, I don't know, for me, everybody, but for me, I'm ransacking, meditating. Intimacy is not, not all warm and fuzzy. It's not. It is, it is hard sometimes. Heart is position. Amen. Um, and uh, we're going to talk today, because I know, George, you have the same story, I'm sure. Um, yeah, not quite that sudden, no. Um, yeah, and uh, so we're going to talk today about um, Ebenezer's um, and uh, what God does with Ebenezer's. And uh, so um, we'll come back to that when we get into that section. But, um, you know, the encouragement, it was encouragement for me because... This journey for me was born out of a similar situation. Was it never finally pleaded that same way, but it was told to me that way. Um, which so it's like I went through all the expressions of experiences that you, you're tasting and feeling, and um, so 
we have your back from a standpoint of prayer. Um, okay, well, so what I'd like you to do is to continue working on this for our homework for this next week, okay? And it may take another week or two, but let's continue down this road of getting to a place where if you feel confident once you're done that you would like to share it with everybody, um, great. Uh, I'd love to hear, I'd love to have that happen with uh, many of you if you, if you can, if you feel that you, you could do that. I think it'd be helpful for everybody. Um, yeah. Every every one every every single person's one will be hypocritical. So, deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> it's, it's 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 aspirational. Okay. <laughs> Let's be very clear about this. Uh, we're all hypocrites. We're all God's grace on our on our on our, on our lives. Um, Okay, fair enough, everybody? Yeah? Um, This was Matthew Henry's uh, quote that Sam sent uh, earlier in the week. Uh, It says, um, on faith and dying, he says, Though the grace of faith is of universal use throughout our whole lives, yet it is especially so when we come to die. Faith has its greatest work to do at last, to help believers finish well, to die to the Lord so as to honor Him by patience, hope, and joy, so as to leave a witness behind them of the truth of God's word and the excellency of his ways. What an amazing quote. Um, just really succinctly um, uh, covers, you know, um, God's grace in the middle of. Um, so, yeah. I just have what he And he said to his friend who was with him, that a life spent... Wow, wow. Love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. How do you copy mine? <laughs> so we said our, our, our motive, uh, actually, our objective for learning objective for last few weeks and, and, and next couple weeks is um, to understand the nature of faith and the role my decisions can play in pleasing God. And so what we've done is we've been uh, talking about um, Hebrews chapter 11, if you'd turn there with me, um, and we've been sharing uh, some of the learnings coming out of this Im- immeasurably um, beautiful book, and due to time, I'm not going to go back and summarize where we have come from, other than this last one that we covered, which is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10 and 16. Verse 10 and 16. Would somebody read that out loud for us? Amen. So we said here that, that um, uh, walking by faith involves um, uh, being tied to a personal God. And, and here way that personal God is manifested is that, that He has been and and. Uh, for a period of time, uh, creating this city. He says now it's complete, but he's been creating this city as a, as a master builder, a master architect, a master uh, um, uh, uh, craftsman. And, and in that crafting, he says, like, I've prepared a place for you. That place is an individual place for every one of his children. And, it, and you know what it's like to give a gift to a child, um, I mean, 
if you really have your whole heart and soul in it, it's about like knowing them, like how they tick, how they wired, like how they're going to uh, uh, take this, and, and why would this be an expression of of, of their character, their who they are, but yet you know also of of my love. Um, that's all built into that that designing and architecting and crafting this place for us. Um, and so God is intimately involved. I mean, if he says he can do that there, let me tell you, he can do that here. And, and so he's intimately involved in each of our lives in, in, in an amazing way. If, if we could just like somehow pull the curtain back on our lives and be able to see that, which I think we will be able to do in eternity, to be able to draw the threads, pull the strands, and be able to see how God has been personally involved in every aspect of our lives. We will be blown away. Blown away um, by that. So, walking by faith must be tied to a personal God. Next is that walking by faith, or pleasing God, involves uh, fully leaning into and experiencing God's power. Fully leaning into and experiencing God's power. Would um, Dad, would you read verses 11 and 12? Yeah. When you usually think back to Sarah, is this how you remember her? No. It's not at all. How do you remember her? Doubting, yeah. Laughing. Laughing. Laughing at the Son of God, pre incarnate Christ. Like, really? Yet, somehow, somehow, something changed. Because this is the Holy Spirit giving us insight into what really did happen. And so, when we think about this, you know, it involves fully leaning into experiencing God's power. He says, even beyond the proper time of life, she, by faith, received the ability to conceive. So she trusted God that he, his word was X, and he said that that would happen. Um, I said here, it's in the middle of the crucible, when we rely on his promises and power, that he shows up and gets the glory. He shows up and gets the glory. Um, and so, uh, one of the things I put here is that um, because of that, then he is also the one to get the credit and praise. He's also the one to get the credit and praise. Um, God is at work to meet both of your guys' needs financially, spiritually, emotionally, on all counts. You just don't see it completely yet. But he is utterly faithful, and he will. And when he does, then you will be able to remember this point, to be able to say, only God can do those things. Um, uh, Turn with me to uh, John chapter 2. The story is told of the first miracle of Christ. And it was um, a party. <laughs> it was a party. And so Jesus is invited to the party, interestingly enough. And uh, um, we see on the third day, verse 1, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus was also invited and his disciples to the wedding. <laughs> then the wine gave out. The mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what do you have... What do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. 
His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, you do it. Interesting. There were six water pot, stone water pots there, and each one had 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, uh, fill the water pots with water, and they did that. And you all know the story. Um, you know, they became wine, and, uh, uh, and he says here uh, that, in fact, uh, they kept the best wine till the end. And anyway, it was a. It says the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory. His disciples believed Him. One of the things I want to say here is that um, uh, when Jesus is in the house, the potential for the supernatural is unlimited. When Jesus is in the house, the potential for the supernatural is unlimited. When Jesus is in the house, the potential for the supernatural. Is unlimited. Change that to the fact that he's in the boat with us. We see the same situation occur, right? In Luke um, chapter 8, 24 and 25, what happened? They're in the boat. Christ is sleeping. They're going crazy. Um, they're so afraid. The wind's pummeling them. And they, they finally wake him up. And, and, and all of a sudden he says what? Peace be still. And he stops the nature of, of, of what's happening. Like that. Can you imagine being there and experiencing that? Well, it's no different than the wine. And I'll suggest it's no different than our situations today. Like we forget that Jesus is in the house. We forget that Jesus is in the boat with me. We forget that Jesus is like in the middle of every situation I'm in the middle of. And he has the ability and the potential for the supernatural as being, quote, unlimited. So as we think about our lives, remember that. It's, it's when we lean fully into Him in the, in the crucible is when He shows up. And He is powerful beyond all, all telling because He has our best interests at heart. That's the crazy thing. Like He's for us. Like the... The situations and circumstances scream to us that, that He's not for us. But His promises tell us He is for us. And so who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to listen to? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There aren't too many things in that is that is yeah. faith that we can, can put on the table. Yeah, I, I, I can't even. Yep. So uh, I, I gave him that. Uh, wow. Just, so that was the, that was the morning of. That was, that was God. You know. Well, it's kind of like your son's uh, Navy SEAL. You know, I asked you that question. I said, you know, are you ready for that? Um, if that ever happened, what'd you what'd you tell me? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was watching. Uh, he was having to give sacrifice. Wow. Analogy. Wow. What a great, <laughs> what a great analogy. What a great analogy. Well, he goes on to say in, in this passage, um, he says that uh, faith involves setting great expectations of a great God. Sarah considered him faithful, who had promised. Considered him faithful, who had promised. It's awfully hard to have great expectations. Um, 
uh, of God if we don't know him very well or think much of him. In order to think much of him, we must develop this high view of God. And so, like, I suggest that it's in the moments of crucibles that, that our true belief of who God is shines forward. It's like, it's on steroids. It's like, is, if we have a high view of God, then it's gonna go, it's, we're going to navigate it this way. If we have a low view of God, we're going to navigate it this way. But, but people are watching all the time. And like, how am I going to do it excellently? Um, that's the key question uh, of the day. And, but somehow she had great expectations. I mean, she believed that he could be um, uh, um, that 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 beyond her childbearing uh, uh, situation, which was totally contrary to human thinking or even human experience, that somehow this could be uh, capable of being done. And so she had a high view of God somehow. It's, the Old Testament doesn't somehow bring that to us, but somehow in the New Testament, it, she's sitting here in, in, in the Hall of Faith. What an amazing thing. Um, so next is, um, walking by faith involves patience. Involves patience. Verse 13, would somebody read that for us? Hebrews eleven thirteen, And do 39 too, if you would. All these ended through the promise, since God had provided something better from us, that be made perfect. Okay. So they saw the, the promises, back to what Sam said earlier, the promises that were on the table for them, they saw those, but yet they, they, many of them they didn't experience them, the completion of those. And so they died still looking for the completion of those promises. Most importantly, intimacy with God from the standpoint of sins forgiven forever, which would only come in the person of Christ and the cross. And so that is something that they look forward to. Abraham waited patiently for this city that God had built. He says they... They desired a, a, a heavenly city instead. Um, and so, it was not there. My question here is, what promises do we have that we have not yet realized? What promises do we have that we have not yet realized? Well, them as an example. Yep. You know, when, when I saw all the people who heard the gospel back in my high school, out of one. One eventually I did about three. <laughs> you know, and Steve Adams was another one. How do you find people with common names like that? <laughs> you know, I think I think of um, our glorification. Think of our glorification. He calls it our Peter calls it our living hope. It's our living hope. It's what we live for. Um, I think of just the promise that says we're gonna make all things new. Wow, that's amazing. Just the promise that says the things of this life, the first things will be done away with. Things of Adam, things of sin, no more. You know, I think of um, answered prayers that haven't yet come yet, um, haven't been answered yet. Um, And so, you know, what are those things in our lives?
Um, my question here is like, you know, are we okay with waiting on the Lord? Whether you know it or not, waiting on the Lord takes more work than not waiting on the Lord. It is not it is not a simple thing to do. In fact, it's a very active thing to do. Waiting on the Lord actually takes more strength than to not wait on the Lord and do it in my own in, in my own power. Give up. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And we said like striving and wrestling and you know, all those are good things. The question at the end of the day is like what do we you know, how how, how does it end? <laughs> That's the question. You know, are our hips put out of joint or are we encouraged into the straight way, according to Hebrews. Um, so, good. I think about uh, patience being something that um, uh, when you think about waiting on the Lord, you know, uh, the things that come to my mind are the things that Sam's going to introduce us to in the next sections that we go through after this introduction, which is like God's character, His sovereignty. Can I wait on God when He's sovereign? Yeah, I can. Can I wait on God when He's supreme? Can I wait on God You know, when He uh, is in control? When He's faithful? When He says He's good? Can I wait on God when He says He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him? Can I wait on God when, he's, he, when He says, I redeem all things for your good and my glory? Yeah, I can. I mean, it makes it a lot easier to remember how to respond correctly when I bring the promises of God to bear in everything. Uh, Walking by faith is about stripping idols from our lives. Stripping idols from our lives. Back to the the verse that um, Sam just mentioned. Somebody want to read verse 17? By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and received the promises, was in the act of offering up his only son. So we learn from Genesis 22 here. He says, Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son. It's really key, like underline that, okay? From me, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. He says it twice in that that verse. Um, That tells me, like, Isaac was an idol in Abraham's life. And, like, I don't understand why he wouldn't have been. I mean, he would have been, like, you know, in our language, the apple of my eye, right? I mean, God did this. God gave him to us. He, upon him are all the blessings and the promises for the future. How can I sacrifice him <laughs> when I'm asked to? Like, this is crazy. And so, uh, idols inhibit our obedience and our intimacy with God. Like, they're directly proportional pushing against or pulling for. Um, and so, what, what we're going to learn in our next category after pleasing God, it's, it's all about um, what's God got, how is He going to reorient each of our lives. Because let me tell you, every one of you in this room, and myself, have idols. You, don't, you just may not know what they are. But they affect your decision making almost on a daily basis. And they also are pushing against your intimacy with God. When Abraham made this decision, I'll suggest he was probably no more closer to God in the midst of that decision than ever in his life. Because he, he leaned fully into him. Does that make sense? Thoughts or comments? Yeah, Sam. Well, it seems like 
Yes. <laughs> in, in Genesis, yes. Yes. Um, good. Next is uh, walking by faith is about transforming our first responses. Transforming our first responses. So it says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey in verse tw- chapter twenty-two-three, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to a place where God had told him. Like early in the morning, like night he went to bed, got up, boom. He did what his his first response was to do. Like, not talk about it. Not go seek other counsel. (laughs) Got up and did it. You know, I I think about myself. Like, when when my wife on a Sunday morning um, asked me to go move the car because she's walking out the door and and my car's behind hers, uh, that's not my first response to say, let me jump to it. (laughs) And you know what that tells me? Something wrong with my heart. Something wrong with my heart. Because I care more about my what I'm doing right now, right then, than I care about pleasing her. Much less pleasing God. Does that make sense? Like that, this is something that's happening all the time in all of our lives. And when I give that kind of a response, which isn't like a first response, I'll, I'll let you know. Like, like my heart's on display. Like, my heart is about myself. It's not about God and His glory and my wife, um, if that makes any sense at all. Um, he jumped into it, into the mix right right away, right now. Um, next is, yeah, go ahead. There's something that happens when, yeah. I mean, we've gone through life with that. Just that going by it, right? <laughs> letting our heart be yep. on display. Yeah, it's amazing how when I understand this idol, it leads me to another idol, which leads me to another idol, which allows me to be able to you know fine tune and ask tough questions of my heart. So very much so. Um, walking by faith, pleasing God involves obedience, no matter how I feel. No matter how I feel, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. I mean, there's nothing more. It's just really simple. It's one sentence. Like really, you know. And and I wrote this down. I said. You may never know the impact you may have on people who are watching you in, long, in the long term, what God discloses to you in the moment, and as you demonstrate faith during the test, the situation, or the trial. I can talk here from experience. And the experience here is, um, I personally watched Tim Andrus walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That helped me immeasurably. But it helped somebody else far more than that. Because every time I would meet with him and I'd talk about the valley of the shadow of death, Carl Eisenberg gained strength from watching Tim Andrus walk that way. And I, saw, I, saw, I thought that. It's like, wow, what's God doing here? And little did I know, a year or two later, God was going to ask Carl to walk through that same shadow of death. Didn't know that at the time. But he was transformed with 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 uh, Tim's uh, approach and response and how he navigated it. I mean, you, you saw this in an amazing way. I, I was, at the time, I was like, what's going on here? What's going on? God was preparing Carl for a, another situation that was going to follow on. I, she always wonders. I watch her. Their response to everything. They're just unconditional liars. Mm, and yeah. you're saying, it really prepares me. for. Um, I think that's just... 
the yep. your life when you keep life and you really don't have eyes all the time yep. to see why that person's affecting you or yeah. why God has given you that. But you look back sometimes in pain. Yes. You're changed from knowing. I tell her all the time, the greatest gift you give oh, really what's happening wow. with you. Yeah. And then to watch your responses. Yeah. Respond. Yeah, it, it's changing me. Mm. And she lives, what, 700 miles? Yeah. Well, I've always said that, you know, the will, my will t- to respond excellently, biblically, I'll say, in the moment stems from my knowledge, experientially, of seeing God faithful in the past. And so, like, that's just something that, that if you see a faithfulness here, you see faithfulness here, I see faithfulness in my life, I can be much stronger in the moment to, to know that he's going to be faithful in, in, in my situation, for sure. Um, walking by faith moves us beyond reason when God's word doesn't make sense. Walking by faith mo- moves us beyond reason when God's word doesn't make sense. It says in verse 17, He who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. God's word is almost always 180 degrees different than um, my natural way of thinking. Who out of a thousand people lined up a bazillion times to take the same test would come to that point in this situation and decide that God is faithful? No one. No one would have. No one would have. It, It defies common sense. You said it yourself this morning. It defies common sense. There's no way I would have done that. But yet God's word calls to us and says, do something special, different, supernatural in our responses. Um, Another one here, I I, I read into the text. I don't see it in the text. But I read into the text this one, which is that walking by faith does not involve grumbling. Does not involve grumbling. It says, he who had received the promises was offering his only begotten son. And Philippians says, do all things without grumbling and disputing so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. I suggest that when we, like Abraham, he could have, I mean, if he had a reason to grumble, it would be now. I can see it. Just grumble, murmur, you know, talk about the situation to others in a negative way. You can't believe what God's asked me to do now. You know, I, I just hear it, right? Like, my soul would want to do that. I'm sorry, but I would. Um, yeah. That's a great question. I do. I pray. By the way, he's speaking from experience. No, I believe that. Or would want it to look like, right? Yeah. Yeah, from, you know, in this work situation, from my perspective, you know, my my boss has been very difficult and insensitive and so on, which is kind of a surprise since he does, he was a former pastor. Um, And, you know, I'm really struggling with, you know, resentment or trying to figure out a way, how could I, you know, Tell everybody else that this guy is a real problem. Because, you know, without saying anything negative, it, he, is, he doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know how he got the job. But anyway, he's still my boss. And so I'm just trying to 
you know, how do I just hold back and just accept what I, you know, I believe is God working through him, even though the whole situation isn't is not fair, and he's supposed to be a Christian and should know better. And you know, that's been a real struggle because I just want to tell somebody, you know, <laughs> but but yet I know I'm I'm being called to just you know accept, and whether or not you know it's. You know, it's been done right or not, and just say, this is what the Lord wants mm -hmm. for me. Very difficult. And I pray about it, and I think, yeah, I think I'm over the hump this time. And then I... Play that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, why are they doing this to me? You know? So, it's been a real... You know, this this grumbling part is... Yeah, there's there's where my failing is. is you know, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to... I just want to accept it and say yeah. that's the way it is. Well, yeah, what is the big all about? What the all about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. A really good point. Well, yeah. We don't know. We just don't know. Um, it's 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 actually leaving it up to God. That's that's the decision of the heart that you're struggling with. Mm -hmm. Not your situation, but Him. Mm -hmm. Leaving it up to God, like letting Him be the judge and jury of what is and what's not, and then trusting Him to a faithful Creator. Um, so. Yeah, because if you remember, we had that uh, sermon by Michael, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago about revenge. And, yeah. You know, do you remember? Yeah. You know, and that keeps coming back to me, that the Lord says it is. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is a revengeful situation. No, no, no. Yeah. You know, but, but, you know, that it's just, you know, if he's not doing it right, then that's between him and me. Yeah. By the way, this is the straw of the decision-making that turns something from, from, from uh, intimacy to uh a root of bitterness. It's it's this thing going on right now in this situation. It's just like it happens in each of our lives. Like I can choose to hold that right and like 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 cultivate it, you know, make make much of it, you know, or I can choose to let it go somehow. But that that's a tough decision. So those are difficult, especially like I mean, you think of other situations that would be civil and other things that would be. You know, your, your heart would be that way. Well, I'll close with one last thing, which is where I said we'd, we'd close with this week. Um, Walking by faith erects monuments to serve as memory joggers or reminders of God's past faithfulness in order to recall it in the future when needed. It says, And Abraham called the name of that place in Genesis 22, The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. As it is said up to this day, In the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Where was this, by the way? Does anybody know where this was? Like we talk about the mountain and everything else. Where is this place where Isaac was sacrificed? Anybody know? No. Huh? Mount Moriah. Where's Mount Moriah? It's uh, right in the middle of everything. The, gold, the, 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 the uh, dome of the golden rock. Uh, uh, did I say that right? The mosque. No. The mosque is over this right now. It's, it's in the center of Jerusalem. Like... Every time somebody walks by it, it's in the Temple Mount. Like every time somebody walks by this in in Jerusalem, the Lord will provide. <laughs> That's this is where that is. This is why it's so important. This is where the Third World War will be started <laughs> because of this. That's their Ebenezer. That's their that's the Ebenezer that 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 was raised up because of this situation. Everybody knows about it. Everybody, it still is literally the central focal point of all, all of history, and I think will be of all of the, of the future leading up to Christ's return. Wow, that's amazing. 
And so an Ebenezer is raising up some stones whereby I will remember when I walk by that place again of what has happened. My question to you, you know, I, 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 I read this second verse of Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. Just, that's a statement. <laughs> and I hope by your good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Um, I think about my Ebenezers. What are the Ebenezers in my life? What are the Ebenezers in your life? If you were to go back and find those, did you raise up stones figuratively, metaphorically, so that you will never again f- forget what God did and only God could do? I suggest that that's what He wants us to remember in our lives. I can tell you mine. Take us too long this morning, but I'll do it next time. But I'll tell you, they were earth-shattering, soul-quaking moments in my life that God interposed Himself and rescued me from me, if you would. Um, amen. Would somebody like to close in prayer? Deep Mark? Heavenly Father, uh, this subject is so rich, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Have a wonderful day.